Are you looking for the best news in talk radio in Pensacola? Then tune in to News Radio Pensacola. We're your source for the latest news, weather, and traffic, as well as in-depth interviews with local and national leaders. We also have the best talk radio lineup in town with hosts that are passionate about the issues that matter to you. So whether you're looking to stay informed or just want to hear some great conversation, News Radio Pensacola is the place for you. News Radio Pensacola. Informative. Local. Dependable. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the sponsor, Gross & Schuster. News Radio 92.3 is the Pensacola Expert Panel. I'm Jan Casey. Joining me this morning is Terrence Gross from Gross and Schuster. Good morning, sir. Uh, good morning. Glad to be here and uh, ready to rock and roll. Have my coffee, kind of wired up, and uh, already had one radio show in your sister station and uh, on sports. Now we're here to talk law since I'm a lawyer and. Um, most of you know me by now and, and probably uh, realize that I've been a lawyer next month. will be 44 years. Hard, hard to imagine that, but it's 44 years here in uh, Scammy County. We have offices, though, throughout the Panhandle, um, Pensacola, Milton, Crestview, Fort Walton, and Navarre. We love meeting people face-to-face. I'm proud to say that my three partners are my two sons and son-in-law, and uh, we pretty much uh, are a boutique um, a law firm handling uh, personal injury cases, primarily car wrecks. Uh, we do look at slip falls. We do look at dog bites. And if we cannot personally help you, we like to refer you to other lawyers around that may help you because uh, there are subspecialties within the law. Uh, with that being said, a we always love people joining us. What uh, number could they call or text? 850-437-1620. It's the Pensacola Expert Panel with Terrence Gross. Yeah, so that would be good. And I always come with a topic, but I don't mind the calls. If you have a call about personal injury or insurance matters, we could certainly try to help you. Um, I'm going to go back to a topic that... I've touched upon over time. I don't think I've devoted a whole show to it, but I, I want to go over the sovereign immunity statute because I just settled a case and uh, it, it's just so frustrating. Uh, let me tell you my case and then you'll see the source of my frustration. Um, this year, uh, sometime probably after the first of the year, <clears throat> a young man who had just finished serving six years in the Air Force, uh, I think he retired or did his six-year term of duty Friday on a Saturday. He's out riding his motorcycle on Highway 98. And a school bus stopped at a stop sign and did what? Pulled out in front of him, just didn't see him. Happens all the time. He had a helmet on. He had his headlight on, his broad daylight. And he T-boned the bus and died at the scene. Instant, instant death. And uh, nothing's going to bring him back. That's true. And he had not was not married, had no children. And by law, uh, his heirs were his two parents uh, who lost their, their son. 
I mean, I think, again, he was 26 years old, 24 years old, whatever he was, and, and just gone. So, at first blush, you think those poor people, of course, that sounds like a multi-million dollar case, but it was a school bus. And a school bus comes under the umbrella of the sovereign immunity statute, which has been on the books for, well, I became a lawyer in 1979, and it was there then. So it's probably been on the books for decades and decades and decades. And um, there's many draconian measures associated with the sovereign immunity law, but the worst measure that's been upheld for some reason is they are allowed to have a cap on damages. They have arbitrarily set a cap. Early in my career, it was a $100,000 cap, and then the legislature was feeling generous, and they raised it the bar to 200000 So that means no matter what the injury, the most an individual or family can get for an act of negligence for a sovereign. And when I say sovereign, we're talking about the school board. We're talking about sheriff's deputies, the sheriff. They injure you. Um, we're talking about, I had a case last year with the county appraiser's office where one of their vehicles rear-ended one of uh, my clients. <clears throat> but it's a $200,000 cap. Now, can you get around the cap? Is there a way to get around this arbitrary $200,000 cap? And before I go there, yes, there is. There's two two exceptions. But before I go there, <clears throat> so these caps a lot of times are put there to save cost of entities, and they say we can't afford all, all the liability associated with it. But those caps do not affect Frivolous claims. People talk about frivolous lawsuits. I hear it time and time again. So somebody <clears throat> gets bumped in a parking lot and may get hurt, may not get hurt, and, and and goes to a doctor three or four times and wants all this money or whatever. That may be frivolous. That may be frivolous. Uh, but there's nothing frivolous about a young man dying due to the negligence of a school bus driver. That's not frivolous. And so these caps on damages, whether it's sovereign immunity or any other area of the law, it robs the families and survivors of the most extreme injury cases. Um, And that's the case here. So we have a 200,000 cap. Now, one way around it, and you hear about it from time to time, you hear about it more like in the George Floyd type cases where policemen are involved and you're saying, well, I heard with George Floyd, the family got millions of dollars. Well, they're doing a federal 1983 action, uh, but that usually is not a garden variety car wreck. That would be uh, on these police brutality cases uh, that you could bring a claim under that, but you you can't bring a 1983 action for a school bus driver that just didn't see a motorcyclist and, and accidentally pulled out. Because, again, it was an accident. There's no doubt about it. She didn't intentionally decide to cut off a motorcycle. It just happened. So it, it would not open that door. So that exception would not apply. The other exception is actually in the sovereign immunity statute, and it, and it gets a little prickly. 
Um, and there, here's what would have to be done. I told the family this. I said, you have two options. We either accept that 200 and it's over. No amount of money is going to bring your, your son back. And we reluctantly take that amount. Or number two, you go to court. There'll be no settlement. You go to court. You get a jury verdict for millions, which, of course, you, any jury. I mean, it would, I can't, it, it'd be a matter of how many millions. One jury could say three, one could say 10, they could say whatever they want, but you get this piece of paper. <clears throat> Excuse me. And what you have to understand is that a judgment is a piece of paper. That's what it is. It doesn't mean you automatically get money. So you, you'll hear about jury verdicts. The Goldman family got a $24 million verdict against OJ. I, the last I heard, he, they only got 500000 so of the $24 million. So just because there's a piece of paper doesn't mean you collect. Well, with sovereign immunity, let's say you get the piece of paper. So let's just say in the case I just described, a reasonable, fair jury gives the parents $10 million for the loss of their child, $5 million each. That, that would be not out of the ordinary. That would not be a shocker. That would not be a runaway jury. Uh, so they award $10 million on paper. Now, what do you do? Now, as a lawyer, I would have to enlist the help of one of our state legislators, like maybe Doug Broxson or, or one of those people to take me and this claim down to Tallahassee, get it on the floor. I mean, vote on it just the way you would any bill, any statute, all the, it becomes a political football. And so we get our representative from Northern part of Florida, the panhandle. And they say, I get them to sponsor this bill and they sponsor the bill and they try to push for the bill because we are constituents. Now it goes to the floor of the House of Representatives for the state of Florida and it has to be passed by all those people, a majority. That means you have to get the representative from West Palm and Broward County and and all Dade County and, and Leon County who don't really give a flip because they're thinking, I want to help my constituents out. I don't know who this family. And so because of the politics, because the money would actually come out of the state coffers, if they were to pay even a portion of it, with the, and I've seen cases where you've taken a 10 million piece of paper and the legislature could say, mm, a million. Well, a million's better than 200, but still a million maybe. More often than not, 90% of the time they, they put the thumbs down and say, we're, we're really sorry for your loss, yeah. but we're not going to reach into the state coffers and pay taxpayers' money for these injury suits because we have to build roads, we have to build hospitals, we have to do all the things that a state does, and then the governor could veto it so that it can get all the way to the governor. And if he says, you know, I'm trying to bring in a budget. We're not going to be like the federal government. We're not going to work at a deficit. The governor could veto it. And you're talking about, now you're talking about maybe five, six years of this process. And it could be all for naught. So what happens with these claims bills, no matter how bad they are, 
if they're not politically motivated like a police brutality case, if it's just a ordinary act of negligence where somebody ran a stop sign, somebody did something wrong on accident, no, over 90% of these claims bills are shot down no matter what the merit. And uh, so after describing all that, of course, in our case, the family said, well, we're, we're not going to go through five years of that and have to testify and keep the wounds open and the healing process and spend money. And sp- because all this is expensive, you got to do all the cost of a jury trial and which would erode what little you're getting. And, and that's why most people reluctantly accept the limits, even though it's only a 200,000 limit, which is quite sad. So that's the sovereign immunity statute. Um, and a lot of times uh, I had a case uh, years ago, and here's the case I had. It was in Escambia County. And what happened, there was a young sheriff's deputy, and he's driving along. And, of course, what do they have in the front seat of every police cruiser? A computer. I mean, we're not talking about a cell phone. We're not talking about an AM, FM radio. We're talking about a full-size 12-inch computer. Mm -hmm. And this young deputy was, I don't know, whatever he's doing on the computer, he wasn't looking forward because he rear-ended my client at 40 miles an hour, never hit the brakes, never knew a car was in front of him, dead stopped. Rear ends my lady. I take the young deputy's deposition in litigation because it was a hundred thousand limit, and they wouldn't even offer me the hundred thousand. So that was the other side. That my lady ended up with neck surgery, a spinal fusion, and they're saying, "Well, if we only had to pay a hundred, why would we pay you a hundred without trial? If you got to take something less, I said, I'm not taking anything less. This case is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars." We're already insulted that all we can get is 100, so we had to file suit. So we file suit, and I take the deposition of this young deputy, and he couldn't have been more honest. Some people want to try to lie or get out of it, and he said, that's what he said. He says, I was looking at my computer. I did wrong. I looked up. Bam. I I, I never had a chance to hit my brakes. I just didn't realize traffic had stopped in front of me. I was distracted by the computer. I got out of my car. The lady was crying. Her airbags were off. Uh, she was obviously hurt. I called the ambulance. I mean, he really wow. cared about this lady, and yet they're offering me like $50,000. I'm saying, that that's her medical bills. So we sued him, and, and the lawyer goes, you're really going to go to court. You're really going to go to court knowing that no matter what the jury says, all you get is 100 you're not going to take anything less than 100 And I said, yeah, I, I, that's exactly right. I, I, I think we're getting the shaft already at 100 I'm not going to let you take advantage of the law and beat us down and make us take 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 less than 100 And, and of course, 30 days before trial, of course, they kicked in the 100 that they, they saw I wasn't going to back down. Was I joyous over the 100 Of course not. My, my lady got totally shafted by this law. And it's antiquated. Um, you know, it, it the sovereign immunity law actually emanated out of England uh, because back in, and most of our laws, we all know this, came, you know, from England. And we, we modeled after them and made our changes, of course. But in England, of course, you could not sue the king. 
The king's chariot could roar through your town and run over and kill your child. And that was the king. Too bad. And that's what it was. Mm -hmm. So in America, each state has its own laws. So it's not a universal thing. So I'm sure every state's got some form of sovereign immunity laws. But in Florida... It's just so draconian. It, it's it, it and and these numbers are out of whack because maybe in the 1950s, a hundred thousand was a lot of money, maybe whatever. But today, two hundred thousand. I mean, if you just look at a cervical fusion case, your my typical cervical fusion case. By the time here's what usually happens: you're taken by ambulance to the hospital. And these hospital bills could be ten or twenty thousand, depending how many, you know, CT scans they do. Then you probably try a chiropractor. Then you try a pain doctor. Then you get multiple MRIs. Then they send you to a surgeon. He tries to do whatever, and then the end up in surgery. So invariably, invariably, in every cervical fusion case I have, the bills are always over a hundred thousand dollars outstanding. One hundred thousand dollars and even if you have health insurance let's say well i have health insurance well guess what what you don't know under florida law is all health insurance companies whether it's tricare medicare medicaid blue cross uh united healthcare whoever it is they all have a right to subrogate so when i settle a case any personal injury case i have to pay back health insurance Now, sometimes they negotiate, sometimes they don't. TRICARE doesn't want to negotiate. So if you were in the military and you have been lulled into the false sensation that you have free medical care, yeah, you have free medical care care unless you're involved in an accident due to the fault of another. And what they don't tell you is then, yeah, they'll pay your bills like always, but then at the end, they want you to pay them back dollar for dollar. So have your cervical fusion, if TRICARE's paid 32000 then you got to pay them back that 32000 when you settle. And there's still bills they don't pay. Does TRICARE pay everything? No. Like most insurance companies, they don't pay everything. There, some doctors don't accept it. Uh, some could be out of network or the deductibles or whatever it may be, or maybe the procedure's not approved to their satisfaction, whatever the gimmick is. So invariably in a cervical fusion, we're going to have a big health lien. And depending on the health insurance and the person, that lien could be anywhere from 30, 40, 50,000. And then there's always a good 10, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 still outstanding. So if you have, if you owe a hundred thousand and you had to get a lawyer, of course you do. And you fight them and they do, finally tender the 200000 uh, And then after the lawyer's fees and the medical bills and all that, it doesn't leave a whole lot for the injured person. The person that even with a successful cervical fusion, what does that mean? It means you got plates and screws in your neck for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And what they don't tell you, even with a successful surgery, you have a successful surgery. It, it, it gets rid of the ridiculous symptoms, the radiating pain in your arms and, and, and so forth, and the numbness in your fingers and all that. What they don't tell you is because they have fused that site, it's strong. It is strong when they fuse it. But what they don't tell you 
is that the disc above and below tend to wear out prematurely because all the torque, all the movement, in a fusion, it doesn't move. So whatever those discs are above and below, they have to work three times harder, and they tend to wear out. And when they wear out, guess what? More surgery. It may be 10 years later, but it's a direct cause. There's a direct nexus to the original injury and and so forth. And even with a good fusion, um, if I had a fusion, I'm not going to be go bouncing around. I'm not going to be jogging. I'm not going to be out there playing uh, tennis and bouncing around with a metal plate in my neck. Um, you know, so even if you can get back to some normalcy and, and maybe the pain's been reduced a lot and maybe you can get back to sleeping, I'm not going to risk re-injuring that area with, with you know, vigorous sports activities. So that, you know, so there's a lot more to it than meets the eye. But again, that's why I don't like arbitrary caps on anything, but the sovereign immunity case statute, it does have it. So I know I've been on my uh, soapbox as usual. <laughs> Thank you for letting me do this. You can tell I vent a lot. But it's good stuff, and I learn well, something every time. Well, every time. I try to. And so I like to always end the show the way we began. And this is Terrence Gross. Uh, locally, if you wish to call us in our Pensacola office, 850-434-3333. Our website is very good. We have pages on sovereign immunity. If you didn't catch all this, you could go to our website, grossandschuster.com, and look us up. We always love to meet people and give free consultations. If you need us, 850-434-3333. This is Terrence Gross signing off, and I'll be back in a couple weeks. I'm looking forward to it. It's the Pensacola Expert Panel. I'm Jan Casey, your host, and Terrence Gross of Gross and Schuster. Any concerns that you have, you can check out their website. Thank you for being with us today, and I will see you soon, sir. Thank you, and uh, see you next week. Listening to News Radio 923, WNRP Golf Breeze, Milton, Pensacola. Healthcare strike in U.S. history. And Lisa Brady, Fox News. More than 75,000 Kaiser Permanente workers hitting the picket lines in five states plus D.C. These Kaiser Permanente workers are calling for the dawn of a new era, a new era of pay. They want, for instance, a $25 minimum wage. They say that staffing levels post-pandemic are at dangerous levels, dangerously low levels for both the workers and patients. So they want 
changes across the board. Fox's Jonathan Hunt in L.A. It's what's scheduled to be a short strike up to three days. The company says they're working hard to address staffing, but one executive says they have better practices and competition compensation, that is, than competitors. The day after the historic ouster of Congressman Kevin McCarthy as House Speaker, Republicans are still debating the decision. This is a, a situation where there were eight Republicans who were fed up. There were dozens more who would have voted for this um, but didn't need to. They, they didn't need to stick their necks out. They didn't need to make everybody in this town mad. Colorado Congressman Ken Buck was one of the eight Republicans who sided with Democrats voting against McCarthy. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. What happened yesterday is a failure entirely of the House Republicans' own doing, a disaster in the making to the great detriment of Congress and to the detriment to the American people. The House unable to do business until a new speaker is chosen, a process not expected to begin until next week. Some Republicans floating Donald Trump for House Speaker, but the former president tells reporters he's focused on the 2024 race. If I can help them during the process, I would do it. This as Trump was heading into court for day three of a civil fraud trial in New York. America is listening to Fox News. Jesse Kelly here. Do you feel protected? My personal protection plan is owning gold. The Oxford Gold Group helps you buy gold to have on hand or convert it into your 401k. If things get weird, I have gold on hand. I like that. You can buy coins or convert part of your 401k with the Oxford Gold Group. It's easy and safe. 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-G-O-L-D. For over a decade, Simply Safe has revolutionized home security, and our latest advancement is here 24 7 lifeguard protection, only from Simply Safe. Now, monitoring agents can see and speak to intruders through our new indoor camera to help stop crime in real time and for fast police response. Get 20% off any new system with Fast Protect Monitoring at simplysafe.com/slash radio. Advanced home security, 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There's no safe like Well, good morning. It's 1103-79 in Pensacola. I'm John Pickens for News Radio 92.3. Mayor D.C. Reeves remains confident that a deal will get done for the Old Baptist Hospital campus well before the state legislative session begins. One thing that we're considering is the potential donation of property in advance that we that we ask Baptist to, uh, to donate us property now uh, and that if we don't meet certain benchmarks if we aren't able to raise the money then we deal with that at that time whether it would be revert back to baptist or we buy it at market rate or whatever the case may be we're, we're still working through that the update during yesterday's weekly news conference where he says the final agreement may not be done and signed by the end of the month but the important details should be most notably the dollar amount to request of the state legislature to aid in the hospital's demolition Congressman Matt Gates isn't backing down from criticism following the historic vote to oust Kevin McCarthy as House Speaker. I'm afraid of $33 trillion in debt crushing the working people in my district. I'm afraid of the dollar losing its status as the global reserve currency. If they want to expel me, let me know when they have the Has vote. Chamber voted 216 to 210 yesterday afternoon after Gates brought forward the resolution to vacate the chair the day before. Gates told reporters the move was a necessary one to get back on track towards balancing the budget, 
passing singular bills, and eliminating wasteful spending. This weekend, it's the city of Pensacola's first smoke alarm Saturday for the month of October. This has been a very difficult year for us um, in terms of, of uh, fires and in terms of death uh, in these fires. And we know that a huge contributing factor is either the lack of smoke alarms or the lack of a functioning smoke alarm. Mayor D.C. Reeves will be joined by city staff and firefighters going door to door to make sure residents have a working smoke alarm. If not, they'll be able to install one right there on the spot. They'll be the Creighton Heights neighborhood from 9 a.m. till noon. On October 21st, they'll do the same thing at the Westside Garden District. Now let's check our forecasts with Brooke Richardson from Channel 3. A beautiful day in store today with plenty of sunshine, high near 87 degrees. Overnight tonight, temperatures dropping near 69 degrees. Partly cloudy skies on Thursday, high near 88. Thursday night, temperatures dropping near 69. Small chance of rain does build in on Friday. Otherwise, partly cloudy skies, 10% chance of rain, high near 88. Friday night, temperatures dropping near 68. This is Brooke Richardson from the First Morning Weather Center. 79 in Pensacola, 78 in Gulf Breeze, and 81 in Milton. Breaking news anytime, I'm John Pickens for News Radio 92.3. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends, yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Van Camp and Robin Show. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. You know, there's always a lot to get to. I'm kind of excited because I'm not quite sure where this whole show is going to go. Yeah. So there's a lot to cover and there's a lot of different opinions about what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Robbins is especially fired out, fired up about a couple things. Uh, where do you want to start, David? Uh, well, let's start here. For the first time, the House of Representatives has removed the Speaker of the House. Kevin McCarthy got the boot after eight Republicans joined every Democrat to remove him. Um, it is a remarkable thing, as we were talking about towards the end of the show yesterday, as Democrats um, decided, you know what, I know that uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy worked with us, but we're going to go ahead and, well, let him get shanked. <laughs> Pretty amazing. Yes. I I think the the biggest takeaway here is this is the message to every Republican on Capitol Hill. Bipartisanship is a four-letter word. The Democrats will knife you in the back as soon as they possibly can every time. Yeah. Never work with them again. There is no more middle ground. Yes. So when you hear these different people talking about, we got to govern, we got to reach across the aisle, Shut all of that stuff, nope. and that sort of thing, that's how you're rewarded. But I, I'm such a 100% cynic that sometimes I think it's just me. Oh, no. You know, sometimes I think, well, maybe there is some sort of euphoria or some sort of uh, la-la land in between here, you know? Yeah, I think. But there's not. For most of the people <clears throat> in the country, my opinion is, they'll pay attention to politics enough to sort of keep informed. But then it gets boring and it gets deep in the weeds. And so you see this, and you just kind of roll your eyes. Yeah, but what do people always say? They always say, well, I wish they could work together. They do say that. And I don't know, they don't really mean it, because when it comes to working together, we know what that means. Yes. And now the Democrats can say, well, and whoever we, you know, want for the next speaker, you know what's most important? Money for Ukraine. 
Right. Okay, here we go. Yeah, yeah. we're right back. So where are we right now? And well, that's, that's the, the one thing, thing we right? don't know. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's what pissed me off about the whole thing, the whole Gates thing yesterday. Was you, you know, you you do you get what you want and you got no plan. Yes. Nothing. I mean, and you're irritated. Well, yeah, dog caught the car. Yes. The manager takes the pitcher out with nobody in the bullpen. <laughs> I mean, what what is going on here? Okay. I, you know what? This can come back and bite me, and that's fine. I'm just yeah. being honest. I'm not that bothered by it. I'm just not. And David is probably going to explain to me all the reasons I should be bothered by it. But there is that part of me that's in your analogy there with the pitcher. He keeps giving up homer after homer after homer. Okay, and I don't know what the plan is, but that guy can't pitch anymore. Well, then let's bring the third baseman and let him try. I mean, but, but there's nothing going on here. I understand. That's the thing that irritates. Not so much. I, I got no love for McCarthy. But I my understand. God, man, when you get what you want, this is what you wanted, and you're well. So you what's know. the worst thing that's going to happen now? Well, nothing will get done. Was it getting done before? Well, you could argue no. <laughs> but, it look, but but it makes the Republican Party look like the dysfunctional nuts. They do that anyway. The media you know. is going to do that anyway. But they gave them a lot of fuel here. So okay, so yeah. what? In the end, so what? Dude, we have an invasion at the border. Nothing's being done about it. Well, and they kick the can on down the road, and they continually do it. Well, to to Scott's point, it, it, you know, when nothing gets done, that means that nothing on that gets done ever. In the at least in the next year and a half, I mean, it's like because what Kevin McCarthy would apparently pissed off Matt Gates was Kevin McCarthy was giving people an up or down vote separate on Ukraine funding that would be tied to border security measures. And now that's up in the air if it happens at all. So, I mean, as far as I, I don't think Republicans had a lot of leverage anyway uh, overall, or they gave it up over the weekend uh, by signing off on the funding bill yeah. without actually making a fight out of it. But now there's no leverage because they don't even know what they're doing anymore. So I know it's all and wrong. I suppose I should be more bothered by it. But all I'm thinking is this was just another leader that wasn't going to get something done. And so finally they got ousted first time in history. And I know some people are really freaked out, ticked off. I'm just not one of them yet. And I could right. be proven wrong. And I would love for you could Gates, say, see, you should have been bothered that day. I would love for if Gates has stood in front of the camera and go, OK, here's our plan. We're going to nominate this person. Mm -hmm. We believe this will get done. And we're going to move forward. We're going to get this done as quickly as we possibly can. But well, no. And it's not that I'm a big Gates fan either. I mean, if we're to be honest, I mean, if we're really to be honest, okay, and I'm sitting there watching and there's him and there's Lauren Boebert, and I'm like, uh, he's a nut, she's a nut. Uh, all these people, both sides, for the most part, are a bunch of nuts. Yeah. So, you know, it's hard to put trust in anybody because they've let you down constantly year after year after year. So it's not that I'm a big fan of Matt Gates. It's just you know someone take a stand for something. So we'll see. We'll no, see what happens. See where it goes. Do you think it's going to be Jim Jordan? Uh, well, he's thrown his hat into the ring. Uh, it seems like him or Steve Scalise would, would be it. I don't know who wants that job though. Yeah, yeah, it is one of those jobs that nobody wants. It's pretty thankless. You got to raise a bunch of money. That's part of it, and you're going to have people upset with you all well, the time. But that's leadership in a lot of different places. Well, yeah, and especially in the Republican Party, you look past in the last 20 years. I mean, if you're, or I guess more like 15 years-ish, if you're the Speaker of the House, Republicans are going to bring knives out for you. 
even if you're a Republican. I understand. But, I mean, if you just look last 10 years. Boehner? Mm -hmm. Who went after Boehner more than anybody you know? Scott Robbins. (laughs) Well, it was all the the drunk weeping all the time. Paul Ryan. Did you go after Paul Ryan?